grab our Bibles, book of Ruth in chapter number 1, book of Ruth in chapter 1, chapter number 1, pastor sends his greetings from the Union Baptist Church over in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. They are holding their grand reopening service today, so be in prayer for them. The service just kicked off about half an hour ago, Um, so they have a reporter there from the local newspaper, and they have some visiting pastors in. Pastor's going to be preaching the service over there. Just pray. We'll be praying tonight here, get a report tonight as well, that um, Lord will use this to help get people into the church, help the church begin to grow again. So um, that's where pastor is this morning. So Ruth chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. And we're going to read the whole chapter. <clears throat> if you were in your Bible reading, you read this this week. And it says, verse number 1 of Ruth chapter 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. That gives us a time in history that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the, land, in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with, dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and, and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. 
So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me. And the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which, that, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray as we open up your word that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, that I would communicate your word. I pray for those listening that their hearts would be open to hear from you, Lord, that you would be speaking and they would do what you tell them to do, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Rehab is no fun. How many have had uh, some sort of sports injury or some kind of thing and you had to go through some physical therapy or some form of rehab? I've never had a serious injury, praise the Lord. But I remember uh, one summer, this was 2013, I think I was on Witness. We were at a summer camp. We, uh, the college students were playing the games with the teenagers. We were supposed to interact with them, um, have some good times with them, let the kids talk with us. And we were playing flag football. And um, they said, can anyone here punt? Now, I thought I could punt the ball. Not really, but I was going to try. So I said, sure, 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 I'll punt the ball. And so I, I got it, it was, you know, and I kicked the ball. And I kicked it about 60 feet straight up. And then it came down, and one of the teens caught it, and he was going to return my punt that went nowhere. And so being the big college student, and this guy probably about 15 years old, I'm like... There's one way for me to make sure I get the flag. Because we were playing flag football, not two-hand touch. I'm not very good at flag football or football, period. And so I'm like, there's one way to make sure he only stands about this tall. I stand about this tall. This is going to work out great. So he's running the punt back up the field. He gets about to the line of scrimmage, and I pop him. I lower my shoulder. I just level the poor kid. I was... Hopefully I've matured a little bit since then. This was a couple years ago. But poor kid, I just leveled him, and then I pulled his flag. Well, I got the flag, right? The only problem was I didn't know how to tackle properly. And so when I hit him with my shoulder, my shoulder went backwards. And so the rest of the week at camp, we were, we were on a singing group, and so we sang every service. I was having trouble picking up the mic and bringing it up and singing. Every time, I'm like... Hopefully I can get it up there this time. My shoulder was all out of whack. I was putting ice on it and taking ibuprofen and walking around. And Brother Pearson told me, like, Andrew, you got to do some of these. you got to do some of these. you got to do some of these. And you gotta, you got to rehab your shoulder a little bit. It was all summer and weeks after that into the semester before I could properly use my shoulder again. It, I couldn't play basketball. Brother Pearson said, you're done for the summer. You're not playing basketball anymore. I'm like, no. But yes, why? I would hurt my shoulder and I needed to rehab it. Some of you have had much more serious injuries or something. You understand the idea. The idea of rehab is this. To bring you from a place of injury or disability to a place of usefulness, right? 
It's to go, you can't use whatever part of your body isn't working correctly. Some need speech therapy and they need to go from where they can't properly speak to where they can. It's a, they go from a place of un, inability, a place of disability, a place of where they can't use that to a place where they can use it, to a place of usefulness. You know, sometimes we need a life rehab that we begin to make decisions that are not based on God's Word. We begin to seek our own way. And suddenly we find ourselves in a place where we're no longer able to serve God the way that God would have us to serve. We're no longer, just like my shoulder was all out of whack and I was walking around like this. And everybody was like, what happened? Like, I played tackle football when we played flag football. But it's a whole lot more serious when we're talking about living for the Lord. When we're talking about your ability to do what God would have you to do. Rehab is never fun and it always takes time. But God desires to use your life and there is often work that must be done in your life for God to be able to use your life. God, if you are going to serve the Lord, there's often things in your life that aren't the way God would like them to be. Aren't the, that limit your ability to serve God. And so God has to do some working in your life to bring you to a place where you can be used of God. To do some spiritual rehab on your life, we might say. We could say it like this from the text. God wants to bring you from Moab to Bethlehem. God wants to bring you from a place of where you are not serving God to a place to where you are serving God. There's a journey that God wants to take each and every one of us on. Now, just a little bit of background. We need to get the context of the book of Ruth. It says, there came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. All right? If you've read your Bible, if you're familiar with your Bible, that's during the book of Judges. Most people believe that the book of Ruth took place somewhere around the time of Gideon. So it's right in the middle of the Judges. Okay? God's people were living in God's land. Right? They were living in the place that God had promised to Abraham. It was supposed to be a place of God's blessings. It was supposed to be a place of God's provisions. It was, remember, the land flowing with milk and honey. If you remember what I'm saying, you could nod your head up and down, all right? The promised land was supposed to be a place of God's blessings. It was also supposed to be a place of God's presence, all right? The tabernacle was set up there where people were supposed to come every year, several times a year, and were to worship God, were to spend time with God. It was supposed to be, um, there, were, there was memorials set up all over the land. If you were with us when we went through the book of Joshua, you remember that there was a memorial at Gilgal. There was a, remor- a memorial up at Shechem, where actually... Joshua took massive rocks and plastered them and wrote the whole book of the law out in a visible public way so that no one had an excuse for not knowing what God said. They were to, like we said, come to the tabernacle uh, multiple times a year and hear the word of God read. There was to be the Levites in the cities around scattered throughout the land of Israel where they were to teach The Word of God to people, and they were to learn how they were supposed to live for God. The land was supposed to be a place of God's blessings. The promised land. But during the time of the Judges, the last verse of the book of Judges, verse number 25, um, 
we might have to turn the page, but it's right there. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If you, if you go back to the book of, we're not going to turn there, but if you go back to the book of Judges in chapter 2, it talks about the generation that arose after Joshua. After Joshua and the elders that were with him had passed off the scene, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord, nor the mighty works which he had done. The previous generation hadn't taught them, hadn't taken them around and said, this is, this is our God that we serve. There's a reason that we serve this God. There's a reason why we do what, um, what we do, because he is a mighty God. He parted the Red Sea. He parted the Jordan River. He brought down the walls of Jericho. They may have heard the stories, but they didn't know God. And so they began to do everything that was right in their own eyes. They would forsake the Lord and begin to serve the idols of the land. And then God would send judgment. God would send the Philistines. Um, there, if you go through the book of Judges, there was um, people group after people group who Israel had previously defeated suddenly came in and was overwhelming Israel. The Midianites, under remember they were coming through when Gideon was raised up a judge. They were taking out all the crops. They were destroying the land. The land that was supposed to be a blessing. God's judgment was on it because of the, their rebellion against God. Wickedness and political unrest characterized the land. There was evil that was going on in the land. There was wickedness. There was civil war that was coming. And God, to bring His people back to Him, would send the judgment. Then, as the judgment got worse and worse, as the other armies began to oppress the people of Israel, they would pray, Lord, Lord, we're sorry for that. We're going to come back and we're going to serve just You. God would raise up a judge. They would defeat the enemy. Everything would go fine till the judge died. And then they would be right back to doing what they had done before. Right back to serving the Lord. In fact, serving their idols. One of the um, countries that came and oppressed them was the country of Moab. For 18 years, how many remember the story of Eglon? Eglon was a very fat man, the Bible says. And Ehud, the left-handed judge, took care of him and as God raised up Ehud to take care of that problem as they turned back to the Lord. But um, other armies invading them was not the only um, judgment that God sent on the land. If you remember back in the Old Testament law, in two different passages, both in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, in the blessings and the cursings, God, through His Word, He told His people, if you rebel against Me, There's going to come other enemies in you. There's going to come diseases into the land. And there's going to come famine into the land. Famine was one of the things that God promised that if you turn your back on me, I'm going to bring you back to myself through judgment that's going to come on you. I'm going to put judgment on you and make your life miserable so you will turn back to me if you forsake me. That was the famine. Now, we're not told exactly why this famine, but later we find out that um, Naomi was, God has dealt very bitterly with me. There was some aspects. So it's reasonable to believe that the reason that there was a famine in verse number one is that there was people who were not living for God. There was people who were, like in the book of Judges, doing that which was right in their own eyes. So a famine comes on the land. 
we don't really understand in America what a famine is, they grew their own food. If the rains didn't come, there was no food for that year. Sure, they could reach out and try to buy some food from some other lands, but they, some people were facing starvation if they didn't have sufficient backup, sufficient funds. It was a terrible, terrible thing. Most of the time, these families were, people, you need to come back to me. The answer was for the people to turn their hearts back to God and say, God, we need to serve you. You are the one who gives us everything we need. You are the one who sends the rain. You are the one who's in control. You are God. We need to serve you. Elimelech was an inhabitant of Bethlehem, of Judah. An Ephrathite. What's that? It's just, that's an area right there around Bethlehem. An old standing area. Elimelech and his family was a solid um, family that was passing down generations in that area. They were given their inheritance in that area, is what it's saying. When Joshua divided the land and gave the individual families their inheritance... Elimelech and his family and his forefathers, they were some of the families that were given that inheritance right there in Bethlehem, Judah. They were where God had placed them. But trials came. The famine came. Instead of turning and seeking God and saying, God, what is your answer to this situation? God, how can we deal with this famine? Elimelech, And most likely, Naomi, have you ever heard of a husband dragging his wife, kicking and screaming somewhere? No, usually if they're going to uproot the family and move, there has to be at least some agreement there. They probably at least talked about it. So Elimelech and Naomi, Elimelech is given the responsibility because he is the husband. He is the one who God would hold responsible. But they lead their family to leave the land of promise to find temporary refuge in the country of Moab. They leave the place that God had given them, and they go across the Jordan River to the land of Moab, people who just a few years before had been oppressing Israel. Go over there, making a choice based on human understanding. He was making a choice based on not what God's Word said, but based on himself. Okay? He said, I live in Bethlehem. Interesting enough, you know what the word, the name Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. They're living in the house of bread without bread. You think they would say, God, what's going on here? They say, well, we're here in Bethlehem and there's no bread, but there's food in Moab. Now, the people of Moab don't serve God. Um, there's a precedent set in the Bible when, remember when Abraham went down into Egypt and when, during the famine, all the way back in the book of Genesis? He went down there and he picked, um, and he, God told him, come back. Then there was another family. He was going to go down, and God told him, don't go down to Egypt. When Isaac was living in the land, and the famine came, God told him, don't go down to Egypt. There was a thing that they were to stay where God had placed them. So Elimelech, instead of seeking the word of God, instead of, um, dealing with the root of the problem, which probably was there were some things that they needed to get right. The people in the land needed to turn back to God. And instead of dealing with the root of the problem, they said, we're just going to get out of here. 
We're going to go find a place where there is some food and we're going to seek. um, We're just going to be there for a little while. We're not going to go very far. We're not going to go very long, but we'll just find what um, find what we need for right now. And we'll come back and everything will be okay. They went to sojourn in the land. It has the idea of living as an alien or as a visitor in the land. Okay, we're going to go sojourn in the land. Okay, we can do that. When the food comes back, we'll come back to the Lord. But the end of verse number 2, it says, And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. They came into Moab and they continued there. One month turned into a year. A year turned into five years. Time began to pass. Oh, there was, there was food in the land of Moab. But the longer they stayed, the harder it was to think about returning to the land where God had them. Time passes. Elimelech dies in a foreign land. He's buried there. He never sees the promised land again. Without leadership in the home, without their dad's influence, as soon as Elimelech dies, verse number 4, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. This was something that wasn't supposed to happen. God had commanded His people, you're not to marry the Canaanites in the land. You're not to marry people who don't worship the same God as you do. They will turn your hearts away. Something that Elimelech would have probably said, this will never happen in my family. My family will never um, leave the promised land. My, my sons will never marry women that aren't of God's people. That will never happen. He crossed. As he went across into the land of Moab, he's like, I'm just going to be here for a little bit. Time passed. Time passed. Things began to change. What was supposed to be just a temporary place of refuge begins to turn into a life of regret. Finally, the two sons die. And the Bible says that, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband, saying, and she was survived by. Is basically what the phrase means. She's there with her two Moabite non-Jewish daughters-in-law in a foreign land without any ability to really provide for herself. Her husband and her sons would have provided for her. That's all gone. She's lonely. She's gone. No means of provision. What drove Elimelech to go to the land of Moab? Could we say fear? He was afraid that if he didn't get his family some food, this is people, if they're going to live, need to eat. Right? I mean, that's, that's just common sense here. Um, Elimelech says, if, if, if my family is going to survive... If we're going to be able to um, pass down our generation and live for the Lord, we need food. We need to be able to survive. Well, there's no food here, so it seems like the best situation is to go where there's food. Now, you would say that's sound reasoning. But it's not biblical reasoning. He, began to, he didn't deal with the problem that there was sin in the land. And what he did 
was he destroyed the very thing he was trying to protect. Didn't he? He was trying to protect his family from the dangers of the famine. And he and his sons died in a foreign land. You know, when a fear comes into our life and it says, um, and we begin to say, I can't obey God because if I obey God, this thing will happen. That's the surest way to lose what you're trying to protect. The surest way to lose your kids. Like, I don't want to lose my kids. I'm not going to discipline them. I'm, I, I can't do that. I love them too much. That's, well, there's biblical words that back up to discipline your children. The surest way to do it is to break God's law. The surest way to destroy whatever you're trying to protect is to go against God's word. It may not make sense. It would, did not make sense for them to stay in the land of Israel. But in his attempts to try to protect, apart from obedience to God's word, he destroyed the very thing he was trying to protect. Naomi is there by herself. Probably... There's ten years that Malon and Chilion were married. We're easily talking twenty years have passed since she last saw Bethlehem. Maybe fifteen, we don't know exactly, but years have passed. Finally she hears she hears word word in Moab. The Lord has visited his people. And giving them bread. In, in the house of bread, there's bread there again. God is visiting His people. Naomi begins to pick up the pieces of her life to begin the trip back home. She, she starts out with her daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. They're traveling with her. Two Moabite-ish women. Her daughters-in-law. Going back to the land of Israel. Where, where were your sons? Well, these are my daughter-in-law. They died in Moab. The reproach the, that would come with that. Wow, you don't, you don't follow God's word very closely. Now, let's just say this. Naomi was at the end of her rope. She, everything that she had was gone. And so, Naomi, she's traveling back to her homeland. But she's lost her trust in God. Here's what she says. She says, It grieveth me, in verse number 13, For it grieveth me much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. God is against me. God is angry at me. God, God is judging me. Listen, why, why are you going to come back with me to the land of Israel? There's no hope of a future in, the, in Israel. In that culture, in the Word of God, something that was extremely important, the promises of God went with the general, generational lines. The land that God promised was passed down generation to generation to generation. The Messiah would eventually come through the tribe of Judah, of which Naomi was a part. There was all the promises of God. If we can get this, everything that a Jewish person is promised comes through the line of Abraham, down to generation to generation to generation. And here is Naomi saying, I have no sons left. And you're Moabitish women. You're, 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 you're disgracing, you're infiltrating um, 
diluting the line, the generational line, and there's nothing left. We're going to lose the generational promises, the land that belonged, that was supposed to belong to my sons and my grandsons. There's no one to pick it up. There's no one to carry the line. There's, there's no hope of a future. I can't have any more sons. God is angry. God is judging me. He's, he's removed everything I have. Why? Why do you want to come back with me to Bethlehem? Why do you want to come back? Or believes. She goes back. What, what is so astounding is she said, she t- Ruth begins to say, I'm going to stay And she says, Behold, thy sister has gone back, sister-in-law has gone back unto her her people, and under her gods return thou after thy sister-in-law. Orpah's gone back to worshiping Chemosh and the gods, little g, of Moab. Go back. There's nothing here for you. Naomi, do you hear what you're saying? What's going on here, Naomi? We see the faith of Ruth as she says, listen, don't make me leave you. I can't go back to my old gods and I can't go back and leave you alone. Your people are going to be my people. Your God is going to be my God. You look at it, how much could she have learned of God from Naomi? I don't know. But she learned enough and said, you know what? I'm going that way. I'm going to... Come, and I'm going to see the God of Israel. I'm not going to serve these gods. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with you, Naomi. I'm not going to leave you. She even calls God and says in, in um, verse number 17, The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. She's saying, God's going to watch over what I'm saying right here. God's going to judge us. I am going to stay with you, Naomi. And so... Naomi and Ruth, the two went together until they came to Bethlehem. That's the whole story of chapter number one. They left Bethlehem, went to Moab. They came back to Bethlehem. They did not come back from Moab the same way they left. They reach Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. And all the town begins to come out. Naomi, her family was an old family there in the town. She had kinspeople there. They hadn't seen her. 15, 20 years they come out. Is this Naomi? They're talking to each other. This can't be. She had changed so much. The years of hardship had told on her. The years in the land of Moab. I don't think they were starving in the land of Moab. Otherwise they would have returned. They had food. They had the physical things. But something had happened to her spiritually. Here's what she says. She says, call me not Naomi, which means pleasantness. She says, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Mara is, means bitter. Remember the story when of bitter water, they called it Mara. When they were wandering through the wilderness back in the book of Exodus. She says, call me Mara. God has, here's what she says. God has made me bitter. God, it's God's, I'm bitter and it's God's fault. I went out full 
and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. I went out. I had a husband. I had sons. I had hope. Great things. I was expecting we were just going to be gone for a little bit and then we were going to come back. It was going to, everything was going to be fine. I went out and God brought me home. The verbs, uh, what it means there, it's God who took her and brought her home. She's saying, God brought me home empty. I went out, God came and grabbed me, dragged me back empty. She says, why call you then, call, why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. The word testify, it's a, it's a, um, a judicial term. God has standed up and witnessed against me. God is given evidence against me and hath afflicted me. It, this isn't saying God chastised me as a father who loveth his son. She's saying, God has done evil to me. God has done bad things to me. God, God hasn't been fair to me. God's, God's doing bad things to me. She couldn't see the grace and mercy of God at work in her life. Here's Naomi. She goes out with her family to Moab. Now, why she's in Moab, you know what she's not doing? She's not offering the Passover feast at the tabernacle. They're not traveling back to Moab, back to Israel every year to keep serving God. They're in Moab doing their own thing. They're in Moab making sure they get what they need. God's not going to look after us in the land. We've got we to look after ourselves. God brought her home. I was reading, as I was studying it, I'm looking at it and saying, God brought her home. The fact that she was gone in the land of Moab for all those years, and God brought her home. She should be excited. Listen, I was gone, but God's brought me home. I, I was in the land of Moab, but I'm back in the place where the blessings of God is. I was gone, but God has brought me back now. That's not her attitude. She's saying, everything's gone. God hasn't treated me right. I'm, I'm, I'm back here in the land empty. But the mercy of God, the grace of God, not only had God brought her from Moab back to Bethlehem, but He had brought her back at the perfect time. You see that? It says, in the beginning of barley harvest. Great. Barley harvest. What does that mean? Barley harvest was the first of all the major harvest. Barley harvest would come. Then the wheat. Then the other uh, crops that they were growing. See, God brought them back at the very beginning when all the blessings of God were available for her to see. When she could see what God was doing in the land. He brought her back at just the perfect time. Food. What she had left Bethlehem 4 was completely visible. The fields were full as she walked back into the house of bread. What was going on? Was God truly just being mean to Naomi? Was God mad 
that Naomi and her family had left. And so God was saying, well, if you're going to leave the land of Israel, I'm just going to make your life miserable. Is that the God we serve? Is that what God was trying to do to Naomi? No. I don't believe that at all. In fact, I believe that God allowed Naomi and her family to endure such tragedies. Yes, God was in control. Yes, God allowed those things to happen. Why? Why would He allow Elimelech to die and be buried in a strange land? Why would God allow her sons to die? No hope of a future generation passing on. What's going on here? Well, see, they had left Israel. And God was trying to bring Naomi and her family from Moab back to Bethlehem. God was trying to bring Naomi and her family back from a place of uselessness to a place of blessing and usefulness. God was trying to bring Naomi to a place where he said, listen, all I want you to do is serve me. I still have a plan for your life. God was not done with Naomi and Ruth. If you know the story of Ruth, there was some pretty incredible things waiting in store for Naomi and Ruth. The fact that a Moabitess woman by the name of Ruth would eventually become part of the generational line that would bring forth King David. That would bring forth the Messiah. In fact, in the book of Matthew, Ruth is mentioned by name that she was part of the generational line that that brought the Messiah. God was not done with Naomi and Ruth. God is not done with you if you're still breathing. If you're still breathing, if you're here, God has a plan for you. God wants to use your life in a certain way. But first... God had to bring Ruth and Naomi from Moab to Bethlehem. He had to bring them from a place where they were doing their own thing to a place where they were able to be used of God. God had to bring them physically from Moab to Bethlehem. But isn't it also true that if God is going to use us, oftentimes God has to bring our hearts. God has to bring what we are doing spiritually From Moab to Bethlehem, there's a change, there's a rehab, we might say, that needs to take place from where we're doing our own thing and we're living by our own wisdom to a place where we're used and able to be used of God. Now, I am not saying everyone in this room is rebelling against God. That everyone in this room is living in Moab spiritually. That is not what I'm saying. That um, you're all living in Moab, you bunch of heathen, and you need to get right with God. No, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. But isn't it true that we can begin to allow our hearts to make decisions apart from the Word of God? You know, the truth is that we all started out like Ruth, living in the land of Moab. Not hearing the Word of God. And we need to be brought from a place of where we don't know God to a place of where we know God. We need to be brought from Moab to Bethlehem. There's, we were all unsaved. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And if you are going to know God, if you're going to be used of God, it's true you need to be a child of God. And God needs to transform you from death to life, the Bible says. God needs to do a work in your heart and bring you there. That had to happen to Ruth. 
But as we live our lives, you may be a child of God. You may be in a place where God is blessing you. You may be in church. You may be serving the Lord, reading your Bible. But things can begin to creep into your life. And you can say, no, well, this situation, man, I guess I'm just going to have to figure this one out on my own. And we can begin to take, it doesn't mean you have to pick up all your bags and move somewhere to be in Moab. You and I, you or I, could be sitting right here in this room. I could be standing here preaching. And my heart could be in Moab. My heart could be somewhere else where it doesn't belong. The mercy of God was that God brought Naomi and Ruth from Moab back to Bethlehem. And Naomi was mad about it. Because she didn't. She couldn't see what God was trying to do. You see, when God begins to try to move our lives, we can get bitter and resentful for what God is doing in our life. Why did God let that happen to me? It's not fair. I don't understand why I have this job and that person has that job. I don't understand why it seems like I'm always just fighting to get by. It it doesn't make sense. God, why are you... God just just must be mad at me. God just must be angry at me and not really care about what I'm doing. No. The very hardships that God put in Naomi's life was not for the purpose of getting even with Naomi. No. No. The purpose was to get Naomi from Moab back to Bethlehem so he could use her life. Because God had a plan. God um, was going to use Naomi and use Ruth to fulfill his greater plan. But he had to get them back to where he could use them. So you and I simply need to allow that God in his grace and wisdom will sometimes allow us to endure suffering. Sometimes bring trials and troubles in our life to grow us, to bring us to a place of better usefulness. Allow God to bring you to that place of blessing and fulfillment. If you're saved and you're living for God and you're saying, Brother Andrew, I'm not in Moab. I'm living for God right now. My heart is right. I'm doing what I know, God. I'm seeking God's word. Listen. Just don't stop living for God because the situation gets a little frightening. Don't stop doing what's right. Listen, can I encourage you? If you're living for God right now, keep on doing it. Because you may think, if I, I, that's what I need. I don't have it here. That's what I really need. But if it's not an obedience to the Word of God, it's not going to be worth the price that you're going to have to pay for God to bring you from there back to where He can use you again. There's a, if you're going to leave obeying God's word, there's a price that's going to be paid. God wants to bring you to a place of usefulness. And the quickest way to end up in Moab is to start following your own wisdom and solutions. Is to start, you know what? I, I, I know what I'm doing here. I, I got this figured out. You know what? This, this just makes sense to me. This is what I'm going to have to do. Don't do that. Follow the wisdom of the Word of God and you'll never end up in Moab. If you've already made decisions, you regret. We all have. How many times has pastor said, how many times have, you know, how many of us have failed this week? And we all raise our hand. Why? 
We all sin every week. What is sin? Going our own way. If you've already made decisions, don't say, you know what, I've just gone too far. The longer you hesitate, the harder it is to get back on track. Wasn't that for Elimelech and his family? They went to just sojourn. Then they continued there. Then Elimelech and his sons died there. If, if you've made decisions, you're like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going that direction. Turn around. God, God doesn't want to have to bring the, the, the trials like He did in Naomi's life. He just needed to get her from Moab back to Bethlehem. What is it going to take for God to bring you from there to where He can use you? God's, God is able to make you want to come back. Right? But it takes, but you can willingly surrender your heart to God. Naomi will get herself straightened out in the end. But she has a long way to go. Yes, God brought her back empty. But God brought her back. She's in a place now where God is going to begin to work in her life and begin to use her life in such a way that at the end of the story, people are going to say, Naomi, you're blessed of God. You are blessed of God. How did she get from God first had to bring her back from Moab to Bethlehem? Listen, rehab is no fun. It's not. But God is such a good God that He wants our lives to be usable. He wants to use our lives in His service. But sometimes God has to... I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying sometimes God has to bring us from Moab back to Bethlehem. If you've allowed yourself to begin to travel down that road and make your own decisions, just turn back to God. God still wants to use your life. God isn't trying to make your life miserable. God wants you to be where He he has you. God wants to see your life bring glory to Him. The greatest joy that you're going to have in this life is when you are in the place that God has you, in the place of God's blessings. God wants you to be in that Bethlehem spot. I'm using that as, as metaphorically, as illustrations. They physically had to come back, but oftentimes it's our minds. It's our hearts. It's our decisions. There's two ways, isn't there? We see in this whole story what is written over just this chapter. I may, um, in coming messages, I may preach the remaining of the story. I'm not sure yet. But listen, over the whole story is God's merciful hand. God working things out. God accomplishing the things that only He could do. God using people's lives that said, I have no hope. It's over. There's nothing left. And God says, but you're back. I can use you now. Wouldn't it be wonderful if some of the young people in this room never went to Moab, never left and went and chased their own decisions, but stayed right in the place that God had them and lived their lives there? Chapter 2 talks about a man by the name of Boaz. He had stayed in the land. He was there. He was living for God. God used him too. 
Listen, God wants to use your life. If you're alive, God has a plan for you. If you're here, some, some per- person in this room may not be saved. If you're saved, though, God's, God has a plan for you. Be in the place where God has placed you. Allow God in His wisdom to guide you. Follow His Word. Don't allow the situations, the difficulty of the situations to drive you away and say, well, there's just no answers here. I've got to find my own way. You do that, you'll end up in Moab. But some of us are never, some of us didn't go to Moab. You're stayed in Bethlehem. You know what? God still wants to use your life. God wants to build your life. Sometimes God sends some difficult situations to continue to build your life. But listen, the lesson from chapter 1 is this. There's a place of God's blessings and there's a place of self-will. There's a place of your own decisions. And if God is going to use your life, He needs to bring you from here to here. And it's your decision how that happens. You can willingly submit to God or God may have to bring you back. God loves you and God wants to use your life. It's your decision on how He's going to use your life. Stay in the place that God has for you. Stay in that place of blessing. Just serve God. And when, when it begins to drift, when your mind begins to drift, when you begin to go places, say, Lord, bring me back to Bethlehem. Lord, bring me back to a place of your provision. Lord, bring me back to a place of usefulness where I can continue to serve you day by day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today. And Lord, at this time of invitation, I don't know where everybody is. There may be some people... Lord, who need to come back to Bethlehem. Lord, who need to come back. But Lord, there may be many others who are simply obeying You and living for You today, each and every day where You have them. I pray that You would encourage them just to stay there, Lord. I pray that if there's any that need to come to You, Lord, any that need to be saved, that You would work in their hearts, that Your Word would work, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll stand together. We'll just have the piano begin to play. If you need to come forward and...